Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part three of three on GI bleeding. And we left off here talking about how one of the challenges at times is you can see multiple sites of bleeding. If you look at this case, patient has extensive diverticular disease, and you look carefully, there's high density, and you see it nicely in the coronal view as well of bleeding in the patient's uh, sigmoid colon. But look a little bit higher. Look at the transverse colon. Look at that act of bleeding in the transverse colon. Let me show you some more images. This is the MIP. Look at the prominent vessels to the colon and the sigmoid. Look at the bright areas of enhancement, the act of bleeding. And then look above again at the transverse colon. Here it is as I segment out the transverse colon a bit better. Look at the inferior aspect of the transverse colon. There's active bleeding there. This patient had two sites of active bleeding in the sigmoid colon as well as the transverse colon. That's quite unusual, uh, but we do see it sometimes. Just a really nice example. This shows you also some of the imaging MIP very nicely showing you the bleeding. There's also another focus of enhancement in the proximal transverse colon. And look as you go from arterial to venous, look how much more extensive that bleed is. We have no doubt it's active bleeding truly from the first images, but the change from arterial to venous is classic. And those are the patients who will typically have uh, findings of positive angiography. Now I will admit I've seen some cases where CT is 10 plus positive and angio is negative 90 minutes later. Our most experienced angiographers will embolize the vessel in question. So bleeding can stop indeed very quickly. Just really nice example. And here's just a few more images showing you that. I really do like this case. Now it's not always diverticulitis. This patient had ulcerative colitis. You look at the patient's descending colon, there's high density fluid present, and then you track it down a little bit further and you see the active contrast extravasation. Again, going from arterial to venous phase on the coronal, the MIP imaging beautifully shows you the active bleeding and really what ends up being a jet of blood present. And on the venous phase at 60 seconds, really impressive active bleeding. And if you track that patient down, you would have seen the blood in the rectum as well. Now, I will admit, sometimes we see high-density fluid in the colon, and it's from bleeding. Sometimes it's from ingested matter. So you need to be careful. But in cases when I see high-density like this, I look really carefully for a bleed. And of course, here in the descending colon, it's very obvious. Another patient with positive GI bleeding, fluid-filled bowel. And as you look a little bit more carefully at the level of the ileocecal valve, you see a bright blush. And you say at first, well, could this be something ingested? But then you look as you go from arterial to venous, the layering out. This is active contrast extravasation, active bleeding. And then here it is on the MIP imaging as well. And I do find that the MIP imaging can be very, very valuable in cases when you have concern. Now, there's been a lot of articles in terms of accuracy. This article by Marty, CTA performed in the emergency setting in patients with acute lower GI bleeding is feasible and correctly depicts the presence and location of hemorrhage, as well as its cause in the majority of cases. And their results were 98% help exclude active or recent bleeding or depict the presence of bleeding. 
Marty made the point that rather than restricting it to cases where colonoscopy fails initially in the majority, we believe it should be the first study done. That's 2012, and now seven years later, it indeed is the first study done. We also need to look carefully at the rectum. There are many causes of rectal bleeding from rectal ulcers to angiodysplasia to varices to coral colitis and cancer and radiation as things. Not only can be CT be valuable in patients whose colonoscopy is not feasible, but it really can provide a wealth of information in this article by Rahman. And so here's a nice example of active bleeding in the patient's rectum, very, very bright blush. And you really appreciate it more in the sagittal view where the, you see the prominent feeding vessels from the IMA and the prominent blush in the patient's rectum and sigmoid, beautifully seen. When you do the MIP, you can make the CT look just like angiography. Just a beautiful look at the blush, beautiful look at the vessels, very, very nicely seen. Okay, really nice example shown in this case. And we could then remove the bone, and here it is. It looks like an angio, better than angio. Bright blush, active bleeding, and here it is with a negative display. Now, patients with rectal varices, look at the bright blush here. Sometimes it's hard to say GI bleeding versus hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids can be symmetric. GI bleeding changes appearance over the phases. But you can see very nicely the prominent vessels and the very impressive blush. We talked about rectal varices that are most commonly seen in the setting of cirrhosis and portal hypertension, almost up to 77% of cases. From an imaging standpoint, rectal varices appear no different than hemorrhoids, although rectal varices typically occur more proximally in the rectum than the level of the, rather than the anal region, which is where hemorrhoids are typically seen. As with hemorrhoids, large veins can be seen both surrounding the rectum and within the rectal wall itself on the venous phase imaging. Um, I think this can be important. Um, as with hemorrhoids, large epigenous veins can be seen with rectal varices. And again, rectal varices, I like the presence of cirrhosis. So here's just a good example. Very prominent vessels in the rectum, an obvious bleed in the patient's rectum, just very nice reconstructed views showing that. And you can see here as I scroll through the images as we come down, really a good look at the patient's prominent vessels and the patient's rectal varices and the site of the patient's bleeding. So that's a really nice example. Now sometimes again on the venous phase, in fact, it's gonna show better. So here we're going to the, to the uh, different phases. And look at the blush when I do the MIP imaging. Again, think about that, but MIP really can be very helpful in that regard. And here it is again, I'm scrolling through the data sets, the varices and bleeding, mainly right wall of bladder, the prominent varices diffusely seen, uh, very nicely shown off the uh, inferior vessels coming downward. And again, beautifully shown as you look at the sagittal and coronal view. So things very, very important. One of the things we do make the point, of course, with varices is that early versus late acquisition. On late phase, it looks like lack of distension or thickening, and the large varices and bleeding are only seen on the arterial phase. 
We talk about rectal bleeding and negative angio. Here's a patient, high density material in the colon, you come further down, high density, you think about bleeding, and sure enough, there it is. Uh, active bleed, no doubt about it. You go from arterial to venous, very impressive active bleeding. And believe it or not, 90 minutes later, there was no bleeding. So particularly with diverticular disease, but sometimes with inflammatory bowel disease, you will do an angio and you're not gonna find anything, even though it was so obvious 90 minutes before. But now you know which hemorrhoidal vessels are involved and you may embolize anyway. Just a really nice example showing you some of the challenges we run into. Uh, but again, CTA really increases your confidence. This, there's no way this could be artifact, of course. There's no misinterpretation. There really is no issue. And again, look at the bleeding, how obvious that is from arterial to venous, yet the angio was negative 90 minutes later. Here is the same case. Look at that jet of blood. Look at the extent of the blood, okay? Very brisk bleeding, but that's one of the challenges with angiography and time. Brisk bleeding can often stop. Um, again, you would like to embolize this patient because the bleeding is so extensive that it's likely to recur at a later date. And again, you can see how we use the different imaging. Here's the MIP with bone removal. Here's coronal. Here is MIP imaging. Again, very, very bright bleeding. Now, sometimes things are subtle. This patient had uh, positive uh, bleeding, um, had, had a history of hemorrhoids, but there is this bright dot of bleeding, this blush here at the arrow, right? And if you look at it, it's really a, a jet of blood on the MIP imaging. And you could see it again on the MIP from the coronal view. This active bleeding, and this was a rectal nodule. It was a small tumor that actively bled. And as you go from arterial to venous phase imaging, the bleeding is more extensive. And this was eventually resected. We have been using cinematic rendering. Look how nicely you see the blood and the site of bleeding on the right colonic wall. So perhaps this can do better. Um, we'll have to see. This case was a very nice example. And the arrows nicely show you the bleeding. Here's that same patient again with the MIP. So progression of bleeding. And again, you need to be very careful. Protocol is critical. Making sure you scan low enough is also critical. This article by Shulka, the high negative predictive value of CTA for the evaluation of GI bleeding suggests utility for excluding patients that are unlikely to benefit from angiography and subsequent therapy. CTA may be considered for the first line diagnostic study for the evaluation of obscure GI bleeding, and that indeed is the case. And this other article by Wildgruber, due to the lower invasiveness and higher diagnostic yield, CTA should be favored over DSA for the diagnosis of obscure GI bleeding. And we do many cases of obscure GI bleeding. We pick up tumors, we pick up angiodysplasia, we pick up vascular malformations, we pick up varices, we pick up all sorts of things. Dahid made the point, again, same thing. Uh, CTA is a first-line diagnostic tool for lower GI hemorrhage. Compared to nuke studies, it allows for greater anatomic assessment, planning of more invasive treatment, its sensitivity in the low 90s. Another article, Zahid, 
Extravasation of contrast material may produce a linear jet-like swirl to pulled configuration. MDCT provides a validated roadmap for ongoing invasive intervention uh, in patients with a positive blush. However, comma, or just say however, a negative first CTA is a good predictor that patients presenting with lower GI bleeding will settle spontaneously, not necessitating further intervention. Basically it means if the CT is negative, stop and follow the patient. So concluding then, I've showed you many examples of upper GI bleeding, but especially lower GI bleeding. I've showed you the value of CTA. I've showed you some of its advantages, compared it a bit to nuclear medicine studies. It is the gold standard and is the point of triage these days before colonoscopy, before angiography, the patients with suspected GI bleeding. Everything is protocol, fast injections, thin slices, rapid acquisition, and then looking at the images in coronal plane as well as axial with MIP imaging and volume rendering. All of it plays a part. And with that, I'll stop there and thank you for your attention. Have a great day. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctsus.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.